0: Oh, sugar, okay, what are we doing? Talking about uh, licensing and certifications, apparently a very controversial topic. Wasn't ready for that. I, I you can make I, everything controversial, you... so you gotta spice it up, <laughs> makes it fun. I love arguing in the morning, let me tell you. I'm ready to... <laughs> I'll argue, I don't Nothing care. Nothing
1: like the smell of an argument, okay.
0: Nothing like a Friday morning argument. Well, I'm in the mood. So, am I going to leave this podcast like questioning every everything I ever aspired to, or? Um, well, maybe you got the right certifications. We're going to have to see. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, I'm on the right track at least. No, there's a lot of them. I mean,
1: <laughs> it's, it was kind of shocking to me a little bit as I did my pre-show research last day or so. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. It is shocking when you look at some of it, and I was kind of. you know looking at it and clicking on it i'm like i don't know i I don't know and i suppose with that i should start the podcast if everyone's prepared if you want to formalize it but i think we already have we have i think we got i'm recording so we got some good intro to roll into hey guys welcome to the better building systems podcast i'm your host clayton ferry and here with me today is nick taliska jim D pasquale and mark sankey as you guys know we are the building hot rodders So in today's podcast, we will be diving into a discussion on some important and unimportant, maybe, licensing and certifications in our industry. So, you know, as we were just kind of discussing before we dove into the podcast is there, there is really a lot of different, you know, certifications and licenses available in our industry. And I think, you know, some are extremely valuable and important and some may not be so much, you know, I hate to bring it towards it, but it seems like some of these maybe could be just to get some money, you know, for the, the, the licensing end of it. But I don't know, I guess we'll start kind of diving into that. You guys. (laughs) Provocative. Yeah. Provocative. (laughs) Do you guys have any, like what, if you had to give your, you know, top, two or three certifications and when i say in our industry you know i understand that um you know what mark and i do and what jim does and what you do nick it they they all vary a little bit so there's probably some critical maybe more important licenses or certifications in each of our industries um but i i don't know top 3 do you guys have any you know if you're in it you got to have this kind of
1: I think first maybe we need to to separate licenses and certifications. Yep. All okay. Right. Yeah. Cuz I think that may be I mean you can't do a lot of stuff without a license obviously. Jim can't do what he does yep without a professional engineering license. Uh anyways, that was it. So I think they're so but I think they're both important to cover.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You
1: know. Uh, there's a lot of people that are working towards, you know, getting their PE license which is not a Short-term endeavor, yeah. That, that's a commitment. <laughs> uh, as are as are many of the licensing. I would think I, I'm at a loss to think about what other licenses are, you know, required. But besides, uh, you know, contracting licenses,
2: stuff like that. But, medical licenses. Well, I'm talking about in our field. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but I think there's a that's a good analogy, though, Nick, because you know, a medical license, PE license, you have not only your um, ability and knowledge base but you also have an ethics code that's required for you to abide by
1: and that would probably follow for all licensees but i right? think so
2: too right right yeah. yeah
0: interesting so like you know one that sticks out to me for what we do is um well obviously the professional engineering license and then um certified energy manager right like in our field that one sticks out so i guess that's Oh uh, well it's certification though and not a license. Not a license, no. Yeah. yeah which is I, I different. think a
3: big um delineation to make is that a license, like the PE license, you know, that's a government regulatory license that's regulated by the, the government. And like Mark said, there's a lot of ethics and other laws and regulations you have to, you know abide by right there's a lot of the certifications um to my mind i don't think there are many that are like enforced by the government like
2: oh the, you're right there, there are uh standards that the certifying entities sure. yep. put out but you're not going to
0: jail for yep. breaking those right 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 okay I think that's just one of the (laughs) biggest
3: differences to understand is that like the CEM and then there's like the plumbing certification. There's a lot of different certifications and those are more like private rather than public. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's not necessarily a bad or good thing. It's just a difference. Um, You know, like they have their stringent testing and background requirements and experience and education requirements. And those are like an indication to your clients and the public that, you know, you're pretty knowledgeable in whatever field that certification is in. Whereas like a PE license, you know, does indicate the same thing, maybe more broadly than some of these individual certifications. Um, But now you, you are, you're permitted, I guess. I don't, I gotta be careful. I might strike up an argument now, (laughs) whatever the correct word (laughs) is, you know, (laughs) you know, you're, you're, you're permitted to be like a, Uh, own your own engineering business and advertise engineering Mm -hmm. services whereas different states have different definitions in some states you can't even call yourself an engineer legally um, unless you're a licensed professional engineer you know every state has different definitions and different requirements you know for how you operate a business and job titles and things like that correct
0: yeah that makes sense and i'm glad you guys covered that um (laughs) because that is critical And then like on the certification side, you're right, I guess that is that is more of a, that is like private entities. And that's kind of where I was going with, and Nick kind of alluded to it too, that, geez, you go on, and I don't know, I don't know if I should like throw any specific one under the bus, but you go on- Probably not. Yeah, whatever's website, and there's, you know, pages of different certifications that you can get. And, you know, I don't know, it's just- I don't want to say it's overwhelming but and it's very industry or job title specific. Like if you're a commissioning agent, I suppose you you need to be or want to be a certified commissioning agent, right? Um and then being a certified energy manager probably doesn't matter so much. But I don't know, it just there, there's just so much and I I thought it was it warranted, you know, taking the time in a podcast to sort of cover what your guys thoughts were on all of this. So
1: So who do we think are – so as far as – back to the licensing for a second. What other licenses besides a – like a contractor license, right? You need to be licensed to perform work in a building. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. architect. What was that, Mark? An architect. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Okay, I knew there was another big one. Okay, well, are there any other licenses Um, that are typically –
2: Oh, yes, survey. that's a big okay.
1: one. Excellent. Yep. So your site work,
3: things like that, as will mm-hmm. pertain to what we're doing. Those are okay. the big ones. Interesting. I'm, they're like you know, in, in building design, I, I think of professional engineer, licensed architects, and um, licensed land surveyors.
0: And those kind of follow the same uh, path to achieve. You know, you need a certain amount of. You got to pass your fundamentals. I I believe for all of them, surveying as well. And then, you know, X amount of industry time, and then you got to take your licensing exam. So
1: pretty, and those are all handled uh, at the state level. Yeah, okay.
2: Well, you know, a big one is um, licensing in power plants, especially on the nuclear side. When I was with Rosemount years and years ago, I mean, there were uh, operator licenses, you know all those things for uh, that went directly through the NRC, which was uh, you know stringent. Really, that's a good stringent.
3: point, Mark. I mean, we I guess we're more focused. We've been more focused in this discussion so far on like design side, but then there's the operator side of things, Operating like licenses, you know these big right. boiler plants. Depending on how many BTUs right. and other, you might need to have a licensed boiler operator on site. Oh, mm-hmm. really? I didn't know yep. that.
1: Yeah, you it know. doesn't matter if it's even you know. I mean, nuclear stuff aside, yeah, yeah. you can get high pressure steam boilers that require um, that. Yeah, that's a great point, Jim. Okay, so there's a nice collection, but it's limited, right? And it, and it, we've talked about that. Those the licenses come with not only an ethics portion, but you know, also I think with licenses, there the the person that retains the person with the license has greater protections because of that license right there's legal implications but then i think the holder of the license has additional responsibilities when they use that license in the practice of their work and liabilities yeah. liabilities thank you
2: yeah it's the the risk is still the same but the you know if you are the person who is contracting to a licensed person the risk gets shifted from whoever, you know, you, the owner are, to the engineer or license holder for whatever activity you have going on. And as a professional, licensed professional, you can go get, um, you know, various kinds of liability insurance, basically so that you can mitigate that risk, you know, as a licensed professional.
1: I was just going to bring that up. The certifications do not require professional liability or errors and omissions type of insurance when you're using that when you're practicing right you don't to be you don't get additional insurance if you're a CEM but if you're going to be using your PE stamp you better you Yeah, must. and that's a an, that's
3: a very important point is the risk that is involved with becoming a PE and when you stamp drawings and become in responsible charge of projects you know that is a personal um, risk and responsibility. Even if you're working for a corporation that, Mm. you know, they, it'll, the risk and liability will smash right through any corporate structure and go right to you. And, you know, most of these corporations have like umbrella and they'll cover your, if you're working for a bigger company and you're a PE, um, you have to obviously have this discussion with your own HR and management team, but, most of them to my knowledge provide some sort of professional liability insurance for you, but you have to ask some questions, you know, what happens when you leave? Cause when you're in responsible charge, you're still in responsible charge of that project. Unless someone else, you know, throws a stamp on there and goes through whatever their state requires for when you take over someone else's work. There's a lot of questions you have to ask when it comes to like liability and risk. Um, you know, as, as, Myself being self-employed, it's kind of easier because I just take care of my own insurance. But um, right. even if, you know, you, for example, I'm not, I can't just form an LLC and assume that if I were ever to be sued for professional liability, then my personal assets would be safe because they would, you know, they'd go right through the LLC structure and go right to me. There's no, um, you know, you, you can't get around it. That stamp, your name on the stamp, you're personally liable for your, um, professional and errors uh, and omissions.
2: And so, Jim, how long? Uh, let's say you designed something two years ago, and how long does that uh, liability exist?
3: You know, it's a good question mark. I'm I'm not a lawyer, but but as a PE, I do have to be knowledgeable of a lot of these laws. And to my knowledge, I don't know if it ever goes away. I, you know, I know that. Um, when that's pretty much, yeah, the right answer. I don't think it ever yeah. goes away. <laughs> and I know that just from the pricing of insurance, it's pretty, relatively cheap when you first start out and it gets more and more expensive because you have more and more projects under your belt as time goes on and the risk to the insurer increases. Um, you know, so to imagine that, yeah, that's, that number's only going to go up. Now, now I have my professional engineering
1: license as well, but I, have not used it right and i've had these discussions about you know opportunities i guess to employ it in the past and then went down that road of looking into you know uh, professional liability insurance and i was shocked to understand that many retired engineers still maintain a level of coverage uh to handle all the projects through their lifetime as as mark was kind of going after so yeah, it is something to consider. I mean, like Jim said, you know, when you go into it, you you know, you're talking employer discussions,
0: family discussions, mm-hmm. perhaps. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I guess it's maybe a, I don't know, we'll call it a dumb question, even though there are no dumb questions. Um, <laughs> so like Jim, though, like say you stamp, um, I don't know, you know, a chiller plant, right? And whatever, you know, piping, chillers, all the everything. And like, fifteen years goes by, and I don't know. Like, what, what, what are you liable for? Fifteen years down the road, if there's a failure, I don't know, a failure, if you were to call it.
3: Well, I suppose
0: that if there was litigation
3: to occur, and again, I'm totally, I don't have specific experience with this. I'm knock right. on wood, I haven't been involved with any lawsuits yet. <laughs> um, but to my knowledge, um, just from what I've seen and what I know. You know, if litigation does come about, depending on the the market, um, the type of building, the type of owner, you know, some buildings will just sue everyone and then quickly, if like there, if if there's if it's obvious that it wasn't a design flaw, because I'm not I'm not necessarily liable for like
0: if someone didn't install something correctly, right, right something's not maintained like that's kind of what I'm getting at like who touched it and I say that loosely
3: cuz because you know I don't and again I don't know like what if I did a um, like uh, some sort of review or site walk and that's where honestly I am not even sure where my you know if I observe something then I think I would have liability but if I didn't if it wasn't a design flaw or I didn't have knowledge of it you know, I, I think, it, Mark, I'll let you, sound like you're going to jump in.
2: Yeah. So maybe, you know, a chiller plant may be a tough analogy or a tough example, but go to a structural mm-hmm. um, event. All right. So now you have a structural failure on a building that's 20 years old. That.
0: Um, oh, yeah, I agree completely. You with know, that, that oh, is yeah. a
2: clear cut. Hey, we yep. have an issue or we may yeah. have had an issue. And at that point, I think, you know, you would certainly have to. Involved whoever the original designers yes. were or at least they'd have to get some counsel to say you know defend their position whether it be based on you know modifications or something else and that their original design was valid and all that and you know i don't think that timeline expires yeah, i guess
0: i surely wouldn't want to stamp bridges <laughs> i'm telling you that
3: <laughs> i guess
0: to give you like a longer term right. mechanical one
3: that might pop up 10 or 15 years maybe there was a a pipe failure on a high pressure steam plant and, you know, it's ASME B 31.1 power piping. You're supposed to do pipe stress, thermal stress analysis, and you either didn't do it or you did it incorrectly in a pipe bursts from fatigue, Mm -hmm. cyclic fatigue or that, you know, that that could fall under the engineer's um, responsibility or you locate a open cooling tower too close to a fresh air intake on the drawings mm-hmm. and someone gets legionella mm-hmm.
0: you know there are things right. that could pop up down the road like that yeah okay that could yep. affect you no that makes sense it's just i don't know like as a younger engineer in the field you know i feel like those are things that aren't talked about much i don't know <laughs> as a, as a, well, on a dude, podcast can- i thought it's interesting to to listen to a little bit I think this is where you
1: should drop in post production that the building hot rodders, as the name implies, are not legal scholars. Yeah, everybody should. Are legal <laughs> yeah, of yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, Hey,
2: and that is a good point. So, and and I, you know, I'm not a licensed engineer. We do some designs. We do have E and O insurance, but. It went. Uh, I went through a very lengthy discussion with both my insurance entity and my counsel uh, way back in the beginning in 2004 and said, okay, we have clients that want us to do design, not structural, not anything, primarily building automation, some energy retrofit kind of stuff. And they said, well, you can do that. You have to get errors and omissions insurance no matter what. And Jim, you know, to your point of escalating costs, we had a situation where because I didn't have a license, our costs were very high initially. So if you are a design entity without a license, you pay a huge premium for that Hmm. until you have an established track record whereby you have no claims. But as your portfolio of installed work increases, you know, uh, that premium continues to go up and they monitor basically every project, you know, you have to tell them how much the dollar volume was, what the specific scope yep. of work was uh, every year. So, and, and my counsel to young people like Clayton, or you're just getting out of school. Yeah. When I got out of school, I had basically two motivations, be uh, self-supporting and pay off my student loans. And the company that I went to work for placed no emphasis on licensing, don't need it and you know off I went but retrospectively it it would have been valuable and I would counsel anybody that's getting out of school you know take your FE get your PE exam you know take the test get certified even if you go down the road where you're not stamping drawings that's okay um right you can always make that decision down the road right you know and I,
1: I didn't know what I would do with mine uh and I was amazed to learn that I had passed, <laughs> and uh, quite frankly, and uh, it's hard. And but it uh, is hard, very I, hard. I don't, I don't think I would, you know, at this point in my career, I don't have any intentions of necessarily using it, but I do, you know, maintain it and renew it every two years as per my state's requirements.
0: i I'm, I'm really glad you kind of drove the discussion uh, that way because. And this is just my personal experience, but, you know, get, getting out of college or, or through the college curriculum as a mechanical engineer, the the PE wasn't wasn't pushed at all. And it, I don't know, I'm, I'm not trying to say anything bad, but it just wasn't anything. You know, mechanical engineering is such a, a broad spectrum that, you know, obviously being licensed you know, for what we do is a, just a small piece of what mechanical engineering can entail. Um, so it, it, like getting out of school, and that's kind of the, to me, is the best time to start the process, right? And if you don't have that push to do it, like you said, Mark, it, it just gets more and more challenging. <laughs>
3: And I have to admit, I didn't even know what a PE license was until after I graduated. Me too. I mean, I, you know. I, they never, it was just never yeah. mentioned.
0: I, well, I, I'm glad I'm not the I'm only
3: one. because I'm embarrassed to admit that, but I mean. So, uh, and I'll go back
2: to, okay, for young people. Uh, so I've lost a lot of hair. I'm a little overweight. I'm 60 years old. And basically people think that once you get to that point in your life, you know, a little bit about a few things. Well, I think the PE, F E P E both help you establish credibility early on in your career that sets you apart from your peers. And for that alone, you know, number one, you have demonstrated ability to learn. And second, you've demonstrated at least, um, acceptable levels of proficiency to gain, you know, a license, which is big, you know, when you're 25 or under 30 or 30 or even 35. So if, if you have the opportunity, you should take it is my point.
0: Agree. Yeah. I'm very glad you're saying that. So hopefully to our listeners, any, any younger listeners out there, it's worth it.
3: <laughs> and follow on that. I mean, if the FE exam is the first exam of the two you take. When you're getting licensure, um, and I definitely recommend taking that right out of as soon as possible. Some states let you take it in your last year of school; um, others, you have to wait until you have your degree to take it. And the FE exam is very theoretical and academic-driven. Uh, it's basically a comprehensive review of your last two years of engineering school, and that stuff gets a lot tougher. Um, The further from graduation um, and the more years you have in the workforce. Um, I'll tell a quick, another, I'm going to tell a lot of embarrassing stories today. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, For me, I (laughs) (laughs) actually, so I actually, I had an atypical education and early um, work experience. I actually started working full time, I, I, I had a co op halfway through my um, years at RIT and I ended up working part-time and eventually full-time before graduating. And I ended up finishing my degree part-time and I didn't like a lot of when you first start, when you, when you're a lot of the reason why you want to get that initial bachelor's degree is to get your job and your foot in the door. I already had that. So I had a bunch of excuses to wait that initial, you know, four or five years, of experience before you could get licensed to take my FE exam. And it was a wake up call. I'll never forget it. the first day I sat down, it was like a month before the exam and I opened the review book and it's like, what's the equation of a circle? And I'm like, Oh man, I'm like, I feel really stupid right now. I know how to do all this crazy engineering stuff. And I can't even think of what the equation of a circle oh, I forgot is. my geometry. <laughs> you, you know, and it, that's the level of, you know, it gets really into the weeds of the academic, yep. um, You know, the mat pure math. It's a lot of plug
0: and chug stuff, if I would call it that. Yep.
3: So that's I would imagine if I had taken that, like, during my last year, right after, um, you know, college, it would would have been uh, a lot easier, you know, much less studying. But I had to do some review of some of the more academic um, subjects before taking that. I
1: think that's some great wisdom for anybody that's thinking about it. Yeah, that's the number one reason I hear when I hear people say that are, I mean, quite competent and capable and should be given honorary PEs. And Mark's one of them, frankly. My father's another one, but, you know, did not get the degree. But And that's the number one reason I hear is that, well, they waited and then, you know, family came along and children and Mm -hmm. marriage and all that and greater career responsibilities. And then it got to be too daunting in your, you know mid-30s, right. maybe to look back and learn some, you know. I mean, yeah, I remember, Jim, know, a lot of the stuff wasn't even in your field for that FE test. Yeah. I mean, it was going oh, back oh, to it's, other it's, stuff. I was like, whoa.
3: It's comprehensive of all engineering. Yeah. So, right. and all chemistry, physics, I mean, it hits everything. And what, what, what I find interesting is people that later on in their career want to go take these tests and get licensed, you know, maybe 10, 15 years in. A lot of them say the FE was by far the hardest test they took, much harder than the PE for them, because the PE, while still hard, is more geared towards their real-world experience, specific experience. Right, yep. Um, and I, I even know of some states that have an experienced exemption for the FE. They still make you take the PE, but they'll exempt you if you have, That's like, right. 12 years or some more really? experience. Wow. Yep. Yeah, because it's such a
0: hurdle yeah. for…
3: Oh, interesting. Once you get out that far out of school.
0: Yeah, I got to say in my experience that the FE exam was and I've taken some other um certification exams that you know are whatever 4-hour exams, the FE exam was definitely the hardest exam I've ever taken in my life to date. <laughs> my <laughs> to mind date. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I don't know, maybe the PE will be easier when I when I, you know, jump off that bridge like you guys are saying, but yeah, to date that was my my mind was just mush for the next two days because I, I mm-hmm. outputted so much processing power in six hours. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That was uh that was quite the exam. But to all of the points you guys are saying, um what, I took it I graduated and I took it a year after graduation. So some yeah. of that stuff, you know, was still instinctual plug and chug stuff.
1: But, but still, terribly difficult, right? Oh my I mean, that's gosh. Just, yeah. it's incredible. Yeah, yeah.
0: Exactly. extremely difficult. So I can, you know, empathize for people that, you know, if life gets in the way or it's something that gets on your list later down the road, that it is extremely challenging. So, and yeah. I would
1: probably say that's probably a similar story to the other professional licenses we talked about. You know, oh, I would have to imagine that. Yeah. You know, operators, yeah. uh, surveyors. I, yep. Which is it, the way. So that's another distinction between. You know certification exams can be multi day, I'm assuming, and certainly four hours, five hours, you know, tests and everything. And the time you put in before that can be significant. But I think there is a different level with the licensing. Uh sure.
0: Yeah. Why do like that I think that'd be a great last semester course for colleges. FE prep. Like we yeah. I, I've taken courses in college for certifications that are you know specific to what that course is teaching, and um, you know, I I for one of them I surely wouldn't have if I didn't take it in college, so I don't know. I think that would be awesome if you could do that. Geez, that would be solve all the problems.
1: Yeah, I kind of wonder why there's not that 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 stress on you know the uh, FE or PE exams when for you know seniors. Yeah, like you and Jim were saying, I, I find that interesting. Maybe it was because I knew a lot of civil engineers, and maybe that was more of a a focus there. And it always seemed like I knew somebody that was studying for some part of this exam. <laughs> well, it was it was deeply ingrained that that was, you know, something to look forward to after graduating. <laughs>
3: if you, you know, graduated. Nick, I think I think that would be because civil engineers are pretty much all their work is for the public in some capacity, yeah. and they're overwhelmingly require a license and, hey. you know, what they do. Whereas, um, you know, mechanical, electrical, other engineering disciplines, you know, unless you're working for the public, you don't necessarily need to be licensed, which I find there's some irony in this. You know, if I'm going to go, if I, you know, if I'm like doing a McDonald's and, they're putting in they're moving a bathroom you need a licensed professional engineer to like put the, the sink in or like the exhaust fan but if I'm working at NASA and I'm designing the spaceship or if I'm working for Boeing and designing an airplane a lot of states have what's called the industrial exemption <laughs> and you're not necessarily required to be licensed you know if you're working for a manufacturer and designing components and different different uh, things in, of that nature, which I find some, some irony in.
1: I find it extremely interesting, especially when you scale it to your examples.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's also a reason why we might not find it as emphasized in, in college, just in my experience anyway, because a lot of the engineering professors are not licensed. The, the majority of them at the universities um, you know, I've attended or just have knowledge of. You know, a lot of them are not licensed. You know, they they hold PhDs and they're very specialized in their individual fields. Yep. And when you get that specialized in research and in development, um, you know, a lot of those fields don't necessarily require a PE
0: license. Great points all around. Yeah. I think this is a fabulous discussion. <laughs> I'm, I'm really learning uh, it a lot I, too. I think it's it is. very enlightening.
2: I think it is. But, you know, one of the things that... I, I think, I don't know if we plan to touch on it, but I look at it like it, as I have gotten more jaded and more experienced, I I don't think that anything, whether it's certifications or licenses, is a guarantee of good performance.
0: 100%. <laughs> oh, we're going to get into this now, are
2: we? Well, we don't have to. I'm no, no, pining. I think
0: it's a it's a valid, valid point. There, I assume some licensed or certified individuals that could potentially give now I don't know if it, if it's a bad name for the certification but um yeah you can't you can't just be able to regurgitate information to pass an exam and then think i know what i'm doing in whatever field i yeah. study or work in
3: i would say use the pe as an indication not a guarantee that someone may be knowledgeable in the field. It's definitely not a guarantee. You know, you might have there's a lot of people out there that are good test takers. Exactly. Or yep. you know, obviously they still have to have, and that's a reason why the PE require they have a experience requirement. You typically need four plus years of experience under another PE before you're even allowed to sit for the PE exam. Mm-hmm. Then there's a testing requirement you need to pass the PE. Mm-hmm. Then there's there's the educational requirement. You need a four-year engineering degree Mm -hmm. in most again some states have you know different nuances to that but that's generally the requirements and um you know so typically if you have the pe they're going to be competent in their field but again just like anything it's not a hundred percent guarantee that you know they have a pe at the end of the day and that they're going to be a phenomenal engineer
1: i agree completely same would go for the certification
3: Oh
0: yes,
1: I agree
2: a hundred percent.
0: We've 100%. seen it. We have seen it.
2: You know the only the only thing you know, basically a, a certification or a license that puts a dull edge on the on the you know knife, but you only hone that edge with lots and lots and lots of experience.
3: Yeah.
1: So what do we then make of? a multiplicity of certifications offered by, like somebody pointed out, I think, Jim, private organizations in our industry, you know, do the more certifications we have dilute the value of the other ones? I mean, just an mm-hmm. open question. I don't know how I feel about it.
2: Well, I think, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So, the, you know, there are certifications now for Basically everything, yeah, um, really everything, and I I suppose they hold more, uh, carry more weight, hold more credence in the specific industries that they're um, applicable to, uh, whereas they they narrow down the field of expertise to potentially just lighting or potentially just the uh, co-generation or whatever it is yep. versus having a, a broader knowledge base. And part of that, I mean, if it goes right to the business side of it is profit maximization by narrowing the uh, target market and slicing it up into smaller components in an effort to capture every dollar of revenue. That's, I mean, I don't know how else you can argue it, but I think (laughs) there there are certainly folks that only want certifications for a very narrow market or very narrow um, technology. So I guess I could knock it, but at the same time, if I were just, if I were only a practitioner of one very narrow field, then the certification would have value.
1: Well, yeah, it's interesting when you look, when I think of certification, uh, you know, whatever, bodies, certifying bodies in our fields, you know, AEE, those were the first certifications I heard, like Clayton was saying, CEM, mm-hmm. I don't even know what came next, you know, CMVP, and they have a commissioning, you know, certification as well, but, you know, they're up to 22 now, last count, AEE. Wow, and it is, like really? said, It is very specialized, and, you know, some things that I, like I said, I don't have not you know, gut reaction to him. I just see him. I go, yeah, okay. That's that's a very in depth field, and uh, whether it's ground source or like you said, lighting. Now, Ashray, I don't seem like they have you know a handful, six or seven, I believe. You know, build they have a building commissioning professional, they have an energy assessment professional, but I don't seem to come across people with those as much, and
2: I don't know why. Uh, no, I don't either. But you know, you mentioned the CMVP, for instance. No, I have that, and I have a few other AEE certifications. But um, especially as as I got further into, um, you know, some subject matter expert slash expert witness in failed performance contracts that really became necessary. And at the time was the only certification associated with, you know, the IP MVP, the proper application. And it was a challenging course and a challenging test. So I look at it, if it's hard and it really makes you work, makes you think, makes you understand the material, it's worth getting. Now, you know, is it really worth getting and getting it renewed every year? Or is it, if you practice it, uh, religiously and accurately.
0: I got kicked out, but I'm back, so I missed some of that. Yeah, well, yeah, probably the last 30 seconds
1: might want to go, yeah, Mark,
3: anyways. Mark was muffled up. As well,
1: as was that last? Yeah, time. it
0: was in and out. I said some stupid things, I guess. That I couldn't back up. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully it wasn't just my network. I don't know what happened. Maybe it's Big Brother tuning in again from our last episode, AEE saying about the bash. We're going to shut this down. We're not having any of this. So then as far as like
1: commissioning too, you know, building commissioning association, you know, I, I believe has like three levels. You know, there's the, you know, you're a certified commissioning professional, but then they also have like an associate and then maybe a firm certification, you know, for commissioning. Yeah. So they're they're limited too. And I know the association for facilities engineering has some that are about, you know, plant management, but I would think in the energy related field oh and then there's the green building certification institute with the lead
0: yes that i was gonna ask about lead i lead is one thing when i was in college um it was discussed and it was covered for actually a whole semester was dedicated to lead which i found interesting is like and i i see that more and more you know lead certif certified whatever um thoughts? Is that one that's definitely worth it? Like anything else, probably if it's specific to your field, you want to be in it, but I don't know, just the way, you know, the world is moving. Lead seems to be one that is sticking out more than others to me. Yeah. There,
1: there's some, you
0: know, interesting thoughts out there that maybe the best days of lead
1: are behind them. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and there's been case studies now. And I mean, the lead has been around, uh, I don't know, Jim. It's like twenty years now. I mean, can it be that well, long? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I Me, mean, you wouldn't know, but I mean, I, remember, I mean, I just remember hearing about it too, because this was a big deal. And I remember hearing about the point rating scales, yeah. silver and gold, yep. and this was more to the buildings, yep. And I did not, I did not have a favorable reaction to it back then, and that's probably clouded my, you know, my or you know, influenced my bias against maybe really thinking of it as, you know, on the same par as a certified commissioning professional. Uh, you know, we had a lot of discussions back then because we were trying to we had, we had projects and people were hearing about it. And it was like the prestige, you know, being lead certified. Mm-hmm. Right. This whole, you know, say what, it's an arbitrary point system. And I found that we were going after things that did not really, like were very different than what we would have done a year before this. Right with our with building owners and projects and and it didn't seem I don't know that it really aligned with what all the talk was about it right and and over the years there's been in our know, articles and they pop up and I read them and you know it's you know on average you know LEED certified buildings have performed you know whatever to whatever percent better than conventional but then you do have you know sometimes thirty percent of them that used more energy and. <laughs> how is that possible? I don't know. (laughs) So again, I'm willing to say that, you know, a lot of my feelings on maybe the green building lead certification was clouded in the very early days of it. And I don't know. I don't think it's really, I don't know. Nothing's changed my mind necessarily.
0: (laughs) Well, it's just always been one thing that, you know, like I said, I went through a whole semester in kind of a, a certification preparation course, if you would call it. And, um, you know, the, 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 college couldn't lead certify you, but they gave you all the tools to go get lead certified if you wanted to. And that's one that I didn't do and maybe shame on me because I did a lot of other ones, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's one I've seen more and more and I've always wondered, I'm like, Hmm, was that a missed opportunity? Um, was it not? What is it? What does everyone else think? Yeah. <laughs> You know, you'd probably have to turn
1: to people more in the in the yeah. customer space to see kind of like well
0: what do yeah. they think of it. <laughs> what does Jim think of it? Or is it well, should we not? I don't know.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, well, very similar thoughts and experiences to Nick. Um, when I first got started, was it ten to twelve years ago? I mean, there's a lot of talk of mm-hmm. lead and lead accredited or not lead certified yep. buildings. And I guess my experience with has been limited because I feel like every time I would get involved with a lead project, the cost and the actual real world experience of it, a lot of the building owners ended up not going through with it. Um, you know, they, they would, that's just been my experience. Um, with it. You know, I've done some lead models and some energy work and, you know, some designs in and around lead, especially early in my career when I was practicing other and other engineers and lead accredited professionals. And that's just kind of been my experience with it. Um, You know, I kind of see it more in like federal and publicly owned and educational buildings. I just don't really see any private Privately owned buildings going after it. Um, to, to head on one of the specific points, Nick said that some lead buildings use more energy. I've seen some requirements in there where you get you get lead points for you know over ventilating, like you go thirty percent above the minimum requirements. Well, if a building's yeah. safely ventilated, that's just wasted energy. You know, if you're not using ERVs or you know, there's just things in there that you know just, I don't know. I I never, I,
1: Jim, I I, I mean, you, you're right with the public first private and, you know, I think they're finding building owners care about results and performance a lot more than they care about the plaque at the front of the building, the cachet, but some others do, you
3: know,
2: it's a PR thing.
3: Yeah, exactly. I think it's a prestige and PR thing.
2: So, Jim, I think, and Nick, you both hit on the on the key to this, which is lead is more prevalent in the public sector than the private sector. If you look at it in black and white terms, the private sector will not invest money where the marginal cost is not yep. justified by the marginal benefit. Yeah, that's it's the so end of it. What does that
1: tell you about what we're talking
2: about? <laughs> <laughs> At the the marginal benefit of lead certification does not warrant God, the I additional cost. I just you to say that, Mark. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Come on. So to that point, though, like if you're an individual that wants to get lead certified, it, you know, if you do a lot of private work, it's probably never going to mean anything, or could never mean anything. But
1: I, I don't know. Maybe there is a distinction there because I think maybe it goes to that indication, right? If somebody has a lead certification, well, I don't know based on what we said, maybe it means that they've learned how to misapply technologies or something. Uh, Oof. I don't know, but oh, there is Nick, something is, I that's, like, that's going to yeah, get I you know. canceled. Bro. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. There is, I'm sure value
3: to have a lead, you
1: a lead certification, just as you have to take it.
0: gotcha. got that looks Let's go an email segment. Well, right, right. We'll put an lead AB and- plus D D C There's a, like, how many acronyms do I need in my email signature? Oh, boy. You know? My whole know.
2: podcast is going to get canceled.
0: As we're offending a lot of people, potentially. <laughs> I
1: no, I don't know. I think there's a clear distinction
0: between what we're talking about with the buildings and the yeah, projects. Yeah, 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 I don't, I don't know. I mean. <laughs> hey, I didn't – I'm. Uh, this is a great podcast, I think. <laughs> I think I, – I don't know. I didn't know nice where this conversation to get, go.
2: It's a nice way we end on a high note, right? And Then we're done. Yeah. <laughs> <It is.
0: laughs> great job guys <laughs> oh man no i i don't know I mean, we, and we can keep it going i'm just chiming in i, I really enjoyed the conversation
2: okay let's rip on aee uh-huh. now, okay? uh-huh. <laughs> yeah just so you guys know i'm an aee fellow member which means you're you're old and been around and paid your dues for a long time i mean yeah that's just the the nature i, I again i didn't get my uh Take tests and get my license, and uh, the CEM was the closest thing that I could get to, based on my education and skill set that had any credibility whatsoever. So that's what I did. And, and
0: I, I think in mm-hmm. our industry, yeah, the CEM is definitely that was another challenging test. I was well prepared.
2: Yeah, and for a while.
0: Yeah, I think the C the
3: CEM is a respected yeah. certification because yeah. you know it's not you know some of these certifications. Or what you take 10 multiple choice questions and then you get your email certificate and you're good to go. Really? <laughs> or oh, something like the CEM. That was a four hour. You know, 10. it yeah, there's a very rigorous exam. And I believe, Mark, doesn't that also have oh, yeah, like experience, it has experience and connected. maybe right. degree requirements? Experience and degree oh, yeah, absolutely requirements. Does. Yeah.
2: And um, yeah. even for a while, and, and what I tell everyone that you know, I was I instructed for the CEM for many, many um chapters, you know, I would go to the chapters and instruct. But what I tell everyone is that, you know, this is only step one. Step two is to become an active practitioner so that the skill set that says, okay, I'm certified. Well, you get a driver's license too when you're 16 years old, but it doesn't mean you're a good driver. You have to go out and do it every day. So become an active practitioner, improve your skills daily, weekly, and continue improving and you know, until you're a really good driver. So I I think, you know, the certification is worthwhile. And again, I got it because it was the closest thing I could do to, you know, becoming licensed, but, uh, you know, I I can't say that it's for everybody, you know, Uh, certainly, uh, I think, you know, Clayton, I encouraged him to take the CEM and he passed it right away, uh, along with his FE. And then they give you a certification called uh, en- uh, en- e- energy e- manager 19. and training until you yeah. have the sufficient years of experience and then the, you get your, your CEM. But yeah, I would encourage that. I think it's a worthwhile uh, group of technologies and, and uh, a knowledge base to work from for anybody in this business.
1: Yeah, I don't know how the uh, the curriculum has changed over the years because definitely I think Probably I have a vintage CEM at this point. I don't know how many other programs were offered, but because I remember I try to keep up with them. And the other thing I'd say, it's a lot easier to get your certifications when you have a sponsoring employer. Yes. Uh, Those were expensive. Yep. That was an expensive CEM to send myself and a couple other people out to San Diego for three or four days uh, and then take the test afterwards. But... You know, and, di- and it was difficult, I found. Yeah. Uh, I remember one of the guys I was with who wanted to go out every night, but I was studying on the final day after the test. He said, Tulska, how come you didn't tell me this was going to be hard? <laughs> <laughs> we weren't in the same place. Was gonna,
2: <laughs> that's
1: why I wasn't out. You know, gallivanting every night. Yeah, but no, yep. it was difficult. And plus, I didn't want to come home and then fail the thing. Oh, yeah, but, all that know, time invested, the in money, and, and yeah. The, yeah, the money of my company, you know, my yep. employer—they were counting. It was very important that you know we had people that had this designation fast forward, you know, a few years. And I was on my own, and there was more certifications. You definitely have to give more thought to it. You know, it's not a cheap proposition, especially when you're self-employed, to take yourself away from your business you know, go out of town yep. and do
3: this. But. Actually, Nick, you bring up a good point. I think, you know, if you're working for a firm, a lot of them will cover the costs for a lot of these certifications. And, you know, you so you just have to put in the time and the effort to get it. They'll cover the financial aspect of it.
2: Yeah, just so we're and clear, again, VS Energy has conditional coverage, meaning you pass the test or no coverage. Love but- it.
0: <laughs> yeah just added added to the stress walking into that test you know i knew i knew i was gonna i was well prepared it was just yeah
1: no they're not impossible to pa- to pass and i'm sure all these are difficult and i've had some courses i took that you know what i really wasn't impressed because you know the tests were i don't know had a lot of problems with it the proctor there to help people you know there were a few questions that he basically gave the answer to and I didn't like that one bet, you know, and I didn't know how I was going to do, but I recognized that instantly is you're, you know, you're diluting the value of this right here. Right. You no, know? yep. I didn't like that at all. Yeah. Probably wrote a letter. I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it is like, uh, you know, a big part of, you know, a certification especially is, you know, that does kind of set you above the general population, you know, in your industry if you have that and. Even, you know, if you're an expert or not, that is, uh, it does set you set, set you up in a better position if you can get your certification for whatever industry you're in, you know, whatever is the most important for us. Like I said, the CEM is a big one. Yeah. What else is out
2: there? Well, I like the AEE was also early with their building commissioning certification. And that was a challenging um, course and test. Uh, and I, did, I was the same as Nick. Hey, I, gotta, I have to go back and really study this stuff. It wasn't uh, as simple as I'll just sit through the class and I'll take the test or even just go and take the test. Um, and that, that cert uh, required 10 years of experience in the industry before yeah. you could take it. So, you yeah. know, there's a.
1: I remember that being difficult, too. And I'm, I'm actually dug out my certificates that I do have. and You know, I have a number on them. My certified building commissioning professional number—I am number zero. Why? No Why? I am not literally. It says number zero, <laughs> not number one. Like I remember, I was early. I probably you know it was one of the first classes or whatever that in the M and V thing. But the M and V, I was like three thirty-six. I don't know what my CEM number is, but I imagine that was you know a while back as well.
2: So, huh? Yeah. Not that it means I'm, anything. I'm 274 measurement and verification
1: oh might have been in the same
2: class <laughs>
0: uh, anywho anywho but
2: uh, well I, again going back to nick's question that you know there are lots and lots of certifications and i think you have to uh, you know are they appropriate are they necessary and then if they are okay, then let's have a rigorous yep. certification process.
0: Yep. Like I said, it just, it like we all talked about it, some of these, they take money and time and there's a lot of them. And, um, you know, my guidance of what is more important or less important has just come from, you know, my employers, uh, my peers. And I don't know, some of it's kind of challenging to decide, do, do I need to take the time to, study and pass this or does this certification not mean so much in my industry? Cause there's a lot, you know, for what we do a lot, we, we do a lot. So some might are more important than others probably.
2: So, uh, just tangentially. But one of the things that we get involved with often and a lot and probably more than most um, traditional AEs and es or uh, even controls people are systems integrations. And in the BMS world, um A lot of the integrators that we see a lot, and I don't mean, I mean, I would say 80% or more are self-taught or uh, internally uh, instructed, meaning within specifically their platform, their integration platform without right. certifications by Niagara, Microsoft, uh, the Control Systems Integrator Association, which is really good or the ISA Instrument Society of America. And I think without that kind of um, certification and training, uh, educate, not necessarily like training. I don't like the word training as much as I like education because you know you train dogs. Education, you know you educate people and expand their knowledge base. But those kinds of certifications are valuable. You know, when people are, especially being system integrators, only familiar with what their technologies and their platforms will do, it makes really, uh, it it makes it very difficult to do very good integration, even on simple stuff like Modbus and BACnet. And then you want to throw in, you know, more oddball stuff that are variants of either BACnet or Modbus or, you know, Johnson and two or any of the other, you know, common platforms that are out there it gets harder. And as you add, you know, more and more comm protocols, and more and more third party devices, those certifications are valuable, especially now as you get into, okay, how do we uh, manage cybersecurity uh, threats? How do we reduce vulnerabilities? All those things are really important. And I see a real uh, education certification gap in the industry right now.
0: Well, I just learned what that was today. Had no idea those certifications existed.
1: Yeah. Yeah, a lot of them were new to me, but that that was quite interesting, Mark. And and uh, yeah, that probably is a, one of the predominant areas that there's a gap in that unification, right? Absolutely. Of, of what those credentials mean. But I'm familiar with the various, you know, your proprietary certifications and whatnot. Uh, but it is difficult to learn about other systems unless you change your employer. You know, right. change job and get certificate, certified right. different yeah. product. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Good. I hope nobody tuned out
0: before that, because that was gold, Mark. Any final thoughts for the group of hot rodders on this? I I would hope to think that nobody left the conversation, you know, as a listener, um thinking that we were. I don't know, casting a bad uh, uh, casting a shadow on some of these certifications because you know in your industry there are very important certifications and for what we do we we're, we're discussing kind of what we feel are some of the most important ones and some of the other ones aren't so important for what we do. Um so yeah, it doesn't mean what we said or think is the same for what you do or think.
1: Yeah, I really wish like we had a research team because I would have them like go and find me how many people hold all of these certifications. Right. I think that'd be an interesting chart, you know, lead versus uh, certified HVAC designer from ASHRAE. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and it will kind of give an influence of when they yep. started, how de- how much in demand. Right. You know, and what customers require these. I've seen the CEM stuff before, maybe RFPs and whatnot, as far as you know, who should be out auditing their buildings, stuff like right, that. Right. But, sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot a lot of stuff
0: out there. Two things like the CEM and the PE. Those were two things that were pushed on me that I have pursued. But past that, you know, not many other certifications have stuck out to me that said, I should go get this as well. well I would be interested
1: in seeing people that model buildings and do energy simulations have maybe that ASHRAE uh, building Energy right modeling professional because right. that's a yep a practice rife with you know all kinds of problems you could have and it would be good to have that indication like jim said that this person you know does have the requisite you know base skill sets to mm-hmm. to do this
0: hmm. i agree i'm a certified hydraulic specialist too just so you guys know another one
1: through what agency
0: uh, 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 International Fluid Power Society, IFPS.
1: And what was the certification? Hydrology?
0: No, a certified hydraulics specialist. Hydraulics. like uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like s- hydraulic cylinders, you know, that kind of hydraulics. But, so you throw those initials, th- those letters at the end of your name? I guess I can, yeah. I don't know. Again, I'm just, it just adds into, like, there's so many you know, as an engineer, like, I could have taken that route. And, you know, if I went in that industry, I would have never cared about my PE right because mechanical engineering is such a you know a broad multifaceted kind of right field so I don't know that was my that's my parting statement
2: well I think see ya my parting statement <laughs> though is that we talked certification is great but I think the single most important message out of the podcast is you need to keep learning, improving, committing to excellence as a, a designer, yes. or an energy professional, commissioning yep. agent, integrator. You choose; it doesn't matter. But mm-hmm. the certification or licensing is only the that's that's the opening round. You know, the rest is incumbent upon you know yep. personal commitment to
0: improving. Mm-hmm. I agree completely. Hundred percent. Yeah, well put. Jim, you still there? Just listening. Yeah. No, I'm
3: just just taking in all this oh knowledge goodness. and wisdom. I it's think you gave to... a
0: lot of knowledge and wisdom. Actually, it was really insightful to hear you kind of outline some of the the PE and FE discussion. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, you really made up for skipping out last week.
0: Yeah, yeah, you did.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think it was a good, great podcast. I think everyone contributed a lot of thoughts that are going to be very valuable to young engineers. I guess, you know, the parting piece, it's kind of been the, uh, you know, the, the common tone here is that the licensing and the certifications, especially the licensing, they, they open up opportunities. Mm -hmm. It's not a guarantee, but you know, I don't see a reason why young engineers should not be following the path to licensure because with that license, you now open up the, um, option to be in responsible mm-hmm. charge of your work you know you're going to hire paying positions more responsibility and ultimately if you want to own and operate your own engineering business you you require a license if you're doing um you know heavy design and engineering of you know building systems it's typically a requirement um, to have if you want to stamp drawings and be in responsible charge you know there's no reason i can think of I know if you talked about some of the risks and liability, but, you know, I, I wouldn't say that's a reason to not do it. I'd I say if you're young, definitely do what you can take mm-hmm. that FE early, document your experience um, and be ready to you know, take that exam in four years. Exactly. I, I, I agree I, 100%. Completely.
0: Yeah. Cool. With that guys, I think I'm going to wrap it up. So for our listeners, I hope you really enjoyed the conversation. Um it was it was very enlightening. And next week we'll discuss being prepared in the building engineering and commissioning world. With that, thank you so much for tuning in and thank you very much to you guys. Have a great day, everybody.